Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. Welcome to episode 162 with Lori McKenna. Uh, you just, so you uh, commented my little big town sign that I have in here. Yeah. And I only have. I like them all, but well, that one sticks out to me for some reason. Because, yes, that's right. Because <laughs> you, are, you are the writer of Girl Crush. <laughs> I only have um, signs in this room that I, because I don't, doing my job, people will go, here's a plaque for everything. Songs yeah. I'm, songs I've never heard. I got a, here's a plaque. Really? Yeah, you know, people yeah. just want to give people you stuff. People love you, Bobby. No, it's not about that. People will like, hey, if I give you something now, maybe you'll do me a favor later, that kind of thing, right? You know, you get sometimes it. Sometimes I think that happens, but sometimes people just like you. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> my point is, uh, there's only like six in here, six or seven, and the Girl Crush was one because I loved that song and, and that in my story of being in Nashville, that's the first like song that I got in trouble for. Mm-hmm. Me and, and it was a real like, uh, like I had to pop the film of of because we we just went through it different in different ways. You I mean you wrote the freaking song? Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I I am not educated on the how any of this works still really and i didn't know you got in trouble until i think i heard you talking about it on one of these podcasts like yeah. maybe with karen or something yeah you know what i mean like i think like the, there was mention of it but i just i don't know how radio works it's so confusing to either. me i don't I, don't tell me that i, I don't <laughs> I, I don't know really how it works either i just kind of do it my own way that's why i get in trouble so much well people love it i mean that's good for all of us if you get in trouble because if you get in trouble then you're you're playing songs that you know, people wouldn't hear otherwise then, right? Isn't that the point? Yeah. You know, and been, the, 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 like the super quick version is, before the record came out, the whole album, I think mm-hmm. they were on um, uh, Day Drinking was, was the first single from that record, yeah, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm yeah. recalling. And I was with Kimberly the night before. We were in New York, and she said, uh, you're going to love this Girl Crush song. The record hadn't even come out. So the record comes oh, out okay. that day, and I play it, and everybody gets so upset because it was the lesbian song. Yeah, yeah. And so 
one, I also like it when people get upset mm-hmm. because it means it's reacting. Okay. Not, not if, as long as it's not like homophobic or racist and that, that, that's a different kind of upset. But if people are upset because of, of an emotion, I'm like, okay, there's something here. Like I've scratched something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so people were upset and I thought, well, first of all, it's a great song. I didn't, I didn't even know you then. It's the fun, no. you know? Um, no. And then my company goes, whoa, everybody's pissed. We have to test the song. We've never done this in research. We have to test it just for your sake. And so they did all this research on me and the song, and it came back mostly positive. And then that's kind of where the will started. I, then I became just belligerent. And then it, <laughs> it, then it all happened, and then I sat back. And then, the, then you know, Karen, Kimberly, Jimmy, Philip took over, and the rest is history. But that's yeah. why it's in here, because that to me, it set a precedent in my company that it was, wow. oh, this guy's nutty. And if he has a song that he loves, he's just going to play it. Because it wasn't the single when I started playing it. No. Yeah. I mean, maybe they weren't even ready for a single yet. I don't know. And and who knows? You know, it's all revisionist history at this point because this song has lived a a wonderful life. What I learned about that song is everybody has has like they'll attach their what they're most passionate about to a story when it when it, it is a story that applies to lots of different people. And that song to I think us as writers our thing was uh, people aren't listening. Like you don't listen to the whole song anymore. You know what I mean? Like, do are we only giving a song a verse and a chorus, you know, and, and some songs, you know, you have to, you know, I know you love songs like that. You know what I mean? That you have to like unwind and sort of listen to the whole thing before you know what's going on. And, and I think the judgments that that song got were from people that weren't giving it a true listen to say, Oh, wait a minute. Are they trying to, I think even, there was no listen. I think it was mm-hmm. title even. Oh, maybe so. Maybe so. Because I you, hadn't thought of that you yet. hear girl crush and then a female then a voice female. singing it. And you True. go, oh, she's talking about it's, it's got to be a lesbian song. Oh, I never even thought of that. Where yeah. if Jimmy comes on or Phila comes on and start to sing it and it's, oh, yeah. God, yeah, <laughs> I think it's a whole different ball game. <laughs> so, and again, this is also the environment when things started to shift where it, just in my landscape of. You know, I, I just wanted to play good songs. Yeah. And I was playing songs that weren't singles. And that was yeah. weird for everybody. I was weird for, oh, that's the, amazing. For, for, all, for all things. Well, anyway, we were just yeah. talking about that before I came. It's so good to see you. Like, you're one of my favorite people in the whole world. You're so good to me. I appreciate that, that's that not so tr- much. I'm, no, I'm not good to you. I just really. <laughs> the fact that you listen to what I do. I also, it's I love amazing. your music as an artist. You know, <laughs> every time amazing. you come to town, I'm like, if you have something, come play on my show. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I mean, Luke Laird was just talking to me about that the other day. We did a writer's round. And he said, you should do I Want Crazy because remember when you did it on Bobby Bones? <laughs> I did like the housewife version of like the chorus. I'm like, I can't play that song. And he's like, well, you did it on Bobby's show. It's so cool. You're one of the only people who, because everybody comes through my show, right? To, yeah. to play it. And so, but whenever I say that you're coming through, I have friends that reach out and go, hey, I know we haven't talked in four months, but can I come sit in the studio? And no, that's promise not you. true. The last time you were in, I, there was there were two on the couch. And that's I was so, and everyone else is like, who? <laughs> you are the artist's artist. Oh, good. That's not, I mean, I'm the luckiest person you've ever met is what I am. I, I, really I don't think am. you can get lucky that many times in a row. Well, now that I know so many um, great writers, so back to Girl Crush for one minute. All I did was said that I said that title to Liz Rose and Hillary Lindsay and Hillary Lindsay sang the first four lines of that song and just as they are exactly how they are. And she said, you mean like that? And so Liz and I looked at each other like that was that was like that was 
had nothing to do with me other than me saying I want to write a song called Girl Crush. But had you not said the words Girl Crush, the inspiration wouldn't have fallen over to Hillary. Mm -hmm. So you're Mm -hmm. saying you're lucky. You're just just bouncing it off. Well, I think what's happened is I've put in the work and I've, and, um, and then, and so now when I come to Nashville, because I write, you know, alone at home a lot, but when I come to Nashville, I'm in the, I get to be in the room with great writers and there's so many obviously in this town, but I get to be with great writers that understand what I like and you know what I mean? And so, it, I, so I find myself a little bit more in those moments where I can be lucky like that. So humble. <laughs> so humble. You know, I, I guess right before, cause I would say we, if, if you and I see each other, we definitely stop and talk. Like yeah. I, I say we have a, a pretty good professional friendship, even more so than professional. Like we will actually have a conversation, a good talk. Uh, but before that happened, I remember Tim McGraw going, Bobby, he, you're going to hear this song from Lauren McKenna on my record. And I was like, right. everybody says it, right? Everybody, everybody has something that mm-hmm. they're like, it's the next thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because Tim doesn't say that that often. Mm-hmm. He won't go, you know, this is the thing. Oh, wow. And yeah. he was like, he's like, I promise you. He goes, it's not even the single right now. Because he had another single. He goes, yeah. this is the song that's going to change it for me. And I'm like, okay, okay, Tim. And then, freaking humble and kind. It, it changed the whole thing. I mean, another perfect example of me being lucky, though. I mean, because Faith, the reason I have a job in this town is because of Faith. And because I, I put a record out, and she heard it through Missy Gallimore and, and Melanie Howard. Um, well, actually, my friend Mary Gaucher, who I grew up in the Boston community playing shows with. And we would, I didn't leave my house with music until I was like 28 or something like that. And Mary's just a little bit older than me. And we, I would show up an open mic, and Mary would be there. And we'd be like ten years older than everybody else in the room, and I'm like this like housewife, and and uh, and everyone else is like in college, you know. Mary and I would be like the two old ladies there, and we kind of came old up ladies together. At 28. Yeah, but yeah. you know, when everyone right, else right, is right. like 15, it seems that way. And so um, Mary played, you know, my stuff for Melanie Howard. Melanie Howard played it for Missy Gallimore, and then Missy played it for Faith, and that's why you know, how I got a publishing deal. It's like the, looking back now that I know a little bit how it works, it was like I won the lottery, you know what I mean? And so, you know, the songwriting lottery that I had an in like that right away in this town. And then, but Faith and Tim have just been like champions for me ever since. Yeah, it's wild, the Faith thing. Your first cut was a Faith cut, right? Yeah. First ever cut was? Well, she cut, for Firefly, she cut four songs and um, three of them made the record. One was like a bonus track, but it was Fireflies and Stealing Kisses, which I think was a single. And then uh, If You Ask. And then she cut a song called uh, Lone Star that was like a bonus track. I've had a lot of bonus tracks. When you get the Target exclusive. Yeah, I love <laughs> Writers that. talk about that. They're like, we made the uh, Target exclusive. Which, yeah. And this is it. This is... Because uh, I have all of them. I've got the whole library pulled. Right? <laughs> Sometimes I'm just leading you into things because I got it ready for you. Oh, I love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> So, so this gets introduced to Faith, and she says, "Hey, I love your song." Like, how does that first conversation happen? So, what happened was, I um, I put out this record called Bitter Town, and the reason I know these dates is is rare because I never know dates. But my son David was born May tenth, two thousand four, so I know it was two thousand four, and I put the, this record called Bitter Town out, and it had most of those songs on it. And Mary, over the summer, I think at some point, played it for. Melanie Howard. Melanie called me like August and said, I want to pitch your songs around town. Is that cool? And I had been here once. I did a round at the Bluebird 
and it was probably like two years earlier, like 2003 maybe, and never listened to country music. I didn't grow up listening to country music. I didn't know much about it. And my husband and I came home, and like a month after that first trip, I was like, hey, man, are you listening to like the country radio station? <laughs> and he's like, like it just, it like got us. Both of us were like hooked from kind of that moment on. And um, and she called and she's like, you know, I'd love to pitch your songs around town. And I was like, that would be brilliant. I don't know what that means. You know, <laughs> pitch away. And then by Thanksgiving, Faith had cut the songs. So I don't know. I think Faith, the story I heard by that point, Faith had cut a bunch of songs for that record. Um, that record came out the following um, August. So about, you know. 2005. 2005. And, you know, it was called Fireflies and all, you know, the, for those songs to be on there. It was, I, the first song I heard, you know, coming out of Faith's mouth was Fireflies. I went to Missy's house and she played, you know, I sat down and she played it for me. And I didn't, I was not emotionally prepared for what really? it did to me. It literally, and looking back now that I kind of understand where I was at that point, you know, my husband, and I had five kids and I'm just like, Still, I still do this. I'm doing little shows, making records, and you know he he's a plumber. He works for the gas company, and we get all these kids. And, and I swear, when I heard her, I heard her sing "Fireflies." I just broke open, and it was really my first experience of of just like tears of joy. But it seemed so sad. Like it looked sad, I think on the on the surface, but it was just like this weight had been lifted off my shoulder, and I knew like I could keep making music. So you're making music and they hear your record a bit. Did you want to be an artist and move to town? I didn't. I did have a record deal because that because because of faith, you know, I did end up making a record on Warner Brothers. But I kind of always knew that I wasn't probably going to move here. My kids were all in school. You know, my husband's job, my family. I'm super tight with my family. And so I didn't think I would ever move here. And I knew I didn't want to be in the road the way, you know, these artists, they, yeah, you grind. know, you know, I mean, it is a hard life. Yeah. And, and I just, you know, I just didn't, I knew I couldn't do that. When, when Tim and Faith did Soul to Soul in 2007, I went out with them for about five weeks and I had three of the kids with me. And, um, How and, was I, that? and I loved that, you know, I, I knew I could do it in little tiny little pockets, but I couldn't, I couldn't put in what these artists, you know, give every night to, to, to their to their art you know i just the songwriting part of it is like i'll be doing that until you know they peel me <laughs> peel the guitar away from me <laughs> a lot of my friends will go right with you though and they'll go up yeah to, to near boston where you live yeah they're like i'm gonna go all right with laurie and so and you just they go to your house yeah we just sit in the basement <laughs> what so walk me through that so and you knock on the door yeah. and you answer and we have guitar on <laughs> and yeah, I wear a guitar you're, you're, you're already riding well, I, so how, how does that work just have a G chord playing as the door opens um, no yeah we, we you know as long as you like children and guitars and dogs basically we have so many dogs right now but um, we just sit in the basement and write I don't write when I'm by myself I don't write in the basement but I have a little writing room in the basement and what I found was people I think if you write in Nashville every day and you're such a part of this community, which, you know, I come once or twice a month and I love it, love it, love it, love it. But if you did, if I did that every day, I think I would, you know, want to take a trip somewhere yeah. else and sit in a different room too. But, um, I think people, if they're playing up 
in my neck of the woods they'll come by or if sometimes I'm really lucky and I'll just have someone that will come up for two or three days and just you know we write literally um you know write songs Panera Bread go to dinner drop them off at the hotel next day write songs Panera Bread it's like all we have so it's like we just write and write until they have to take a plane home anytime that either my group or I do comedy and someone will be opening and we go up to into the northeast or even to Boston a couple of them will go up and go, all right, Lori, I'll see you tonight. We'll be back for the show. <laughs> I'm like, all right, good luck. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about writing alone, which you, and I think that maybe you've said this, other people have said, like, you started, like, writing a little uh, prayer, like, uh, like alone in the kitchen. Is that what it, well, kind of where it started? When the kids were little, I would just, like, pick while they were, you know, putting them to bed, I would for years I sat it was kind of strange when I think about it I would just sit in their rooms we the first house the first house we lived in the three oldest boys all slept in the same bedroom it was just like there was it was a two bedroom house but one of the bedrooms was really big so all the boys were in there and I would just sit and play guitar until they all fell asleep I don't know how they ever did it to be honest <laughs> I don't think about it and then you know it was like your life changes like my pattern of writing changes for a while when they were all in school, like I'd have better, easier time in the morning, like start off right after I drop them off at school and then sort of work through the day when I still do that sometimes Two, my two youngest are homeschooling right now. So it's a little different, but humble and kind, for example, it was like, I just sat in the same chair from like eight in the morning until, you know, probably eight at night. And I just pick away when I'm writing by myself, it's best for me to like work on it like do a load of laundry, come back, work on it. My husband's coming home, I sing it to him, you know, and then uh, make dinner. And and my brain works kind of well that way. I know? love your version of Humble and Kind. Love yeah, it so much. Well, my grandma made that song so much better. He really did. His, It's funny because he always credits me for the phrasing. And we did this talk together, the two of us, in front of an audience. And they played the work tape, which neither one of us had listened to in a long time. <laughs> And he had just gotten through, like, saying, oh, God, I just copied the work tape. And then we listened to it. And I'm looking at him like, no, you didn't. <laughs> this is way better. I copy him now. It's funny. Can you play some of her humble hands? So good. So did you record this version that I'm hearing right now before or after Tim? After. Okay. After, because that was on um, The Bird and the Rifle. Which so, is a great record, by the way. Thank Love you. It. Yeah. Thank you. And um, But I the the version McGraw has is just my iPhone. It's just, and I had just written it. And it takes me a minute sometimes to get phrasing and to sink into the song and to sort of, like, I'll, I actually changed the line. His version, the last line says, you know, when you get where you're going, don't forget, turn back around. And by the time I got to it, I realized I couldn't fit all those words. So mine just says, turn right back around. Um, but it's, it's a small little detail. But that's to, uh, for a long time when I wrote a song, I would even have to play it to an audience a lot before for, for I really... I don't know, it's before I really knew the song. Or sometimes it still happens where I'll play, if it's a new song, I'll, I'll have to play it for an audience and then sort of find out if I like it or not sometimes. You need even. to play it to them to see if you like it. Sometimes. sometimes. What, what are you looking for, though, when, 
when you're playing something for you to see if you like it. I think it's like I actually when I thought about this like years ago, I think if I was to describe that, I would think, oh, I'd sort of be looking for their approval. And now I think what it is is I'm just sort of looking for my comfort level in the song. Like, it, it, am I comfortable singing every word of this song to these, you know, in front of somebody versus just by yourself? It's a very different thing. So I, it takes me a little bit to wrap my head around them sometimes. With art, obviously impossible to predict any sort of success or failure. Mm-hmm. I think it's the beauty in art. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. With Humble and Kind and with Tim cutting it, did you feel like that there was something special to his version and what he was saying about the song. Because, again, he comes to me before the record's even out, and it's like, Bobby, this song's going to be massive. Did you feel like I could do that? I, it's funny because I didn't know exactly. I didn't know that he was going to cut it, to be honest, for a little bit. And it's funny because I think he had it for like a month, and then I don't know if I saw him or I don't know exactly what happened, but he was like, yeah, I'm cutting that song. It's like, oh, thanks. I didn't know. You know, nobody told me. And then, then once it was cut, um, there, he was going to make the video. And when the video came out, they sent me like a rough of the video. And I thought, what is going on? Like, how, how did he, how can this possibly be the video? You know, cause it's so worldly. And yeah. so, and that's, uh, you know, I always tease and say, I should give him some, some co-writing <laughs> credit on that song because he really sees it and brought it to a way different place than I. I still see it as such a simple little... It's a very simple song. Every every line has to rhyme with kind. It's like the easiest rhyme. It's a very simple form. You know, each verse ends in the same line. And um, I still see it as like this tiny little thing. You know, that that I wrote for the kids. And I do remember when I was writing it at one point questioning myself, like, Oh, is this preachy? And then I thought, well, well, who cares if it's preachy? I'm writing it <laughs> for five children. So if anybody thinks it's preachy, I'm just going to say, well, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking <laughs> to my kids. Um, but he just saw it in such a bigger way. And when the video, when they showed me the video, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like there he's, you know, this is a real far, reach for the song and he he just did it it was amazing to me it's amazing to me what i really feel like it's almost two different songs when we sing it do you and are you able to see as they would say the force from the trees because you're so close to it you wrote it mm-hmm. you've been in the process watching tim grow with it but have you been able to see it affect like a mass amount of people as just a message yeah but i mean that's the thing about music is and again, that whole luck thing that I'm talking about, it's like, I feel like any sort of creativity, probably people of all, like you said, all kind of art, all kinds of art, if you are, if you keep yourself plugged into it and you like believe that you can do the work if it lands on you. Whenever I look at like all of your songs, like my favorite, I, I think one of my favorite songs you've ever written is the Brandy Clark song, Three Kids, oh, No man. Husband. I, I she love it. This is like... You know why? And I was thinking about this. What, like, why certain songs hit me? Mm-hmm. I think because, like, my mom raised me alone. Yeah. For a long part of her life. Yeah. And she had two kids. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And I hear this song from Brandy Clark. And I know you wrote it with... I was just yeah. like, this this song, like, at my core. You know how songs yeah. can just almost grab your foundation and just, like, shake it a little bit? Yeah. This one yeah. does that, Lori. Oh, well, I love this song. I'm so proud of this song because... What happened was um, 
we were riding at Universal that day, and I was in like the Mel Till's room, and I got there early, and I was waiting for Brandy, and I hadn't seen her in a while, so I was just like totally stalking her online, and I just like opened up YouTube or something, and was just watching Brandy Clark videos, you know, from people in the audience filming things, and um, and she was intro- she was in a writer's round, and she was introducing one of her songs. I forget what song it was. And she was describing the woman that she wrote the song about. And she's like, you know, she's like, you know, like, I think it was funny because whoever it was, strangely enough, had five kids. Because what she said was, you know, like, da, 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 this girl, five kids, no husband. And she went on. And I was like, oh, my God. And so she walked in. I was like, hi, we have to write a song called Five Kids, No Husband. But it can't be five kids because I have five kids. And then everyone will think I divorced my husband. <laughs> so it has to be like a different number. Um, and then we did realize that both we both had really close friends that had three kids and no husband. Um, so I love that character, though. Like, this, that's another gift of music. Like, you write a song all day you know, with your friend like that and you develop that character, right? Like she's not exactly a specific person, but we both loved her by the end of it. You know what I mean? And I felt like I knew her yeah, and from the, listening to the song and also from knowing like, that's the, that's my people. That's who yeah, I grew up with. Yeah. And there, there's so many people and Brandy's so smart. Cause she's the one that said, um, I forget the very ending of it. Um, I'll sing the whole thing back. All right. And a one. Two. <laughs> but when she said, you know, like how, like the, these people, what's the very end of it? Uh, she's a, she's a mom and a daddy and a taxi driver. How's it go? <laughs> the end line is just, it's all brandy. And it was like, at first when she said it, I was like, oh my God, I wouldn't have thought that. And it's, but those women get so many people through this world and it's so and and dads too you know i grew up with a single dad you know what i mean but but it's like the the single parent thing is no joke and i think we both loved that character by the end of it you you find the line mike he's a mom and a dad and a taxi driver what's after that when the the baby's sick she's an up all nighter a hand and a shoulder and a referee a real life hero if you ask me a real life hero if you ask me thank you and brandy said that and i was like oh good lord like that's it. Like, there's nothing better than that in the whole world. Like, you've just explained it. You know, like... Yeah, it was like you guys wrote a song about my mom for part of her life. And, oh, and when I heard it, I was like, God. I told Brandy, too. I, like, hugged her. And I was like, this, oh. this is... And I love Brandy, too. Yeah, yeah. So it's also loving Brandy mm-hmm. and how, just, like, pure Brandy is. Yes, 100%. And then hearing her sing a, such a pure song. Yeah. That, yeah. and then um, I'm a huge Jillian Jacqueline fan. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, yeah, love her. Lover, yeah, she's the best. Again, talk about someone who is as authentic as can be. Yeah, and two of my favorite songs. One of her last songs on her last part, uh, "Sad Girls." Come on, you guys wrote this. Yeah, that was a moment. You know, we wrote that with Topher Brown, and um, both those songs, "God Bless This Mess" and 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 that song uh, were like the first two songs the three of us wrote together. And she is. because what happened with this song is, you know, I remember saying, like, you know, and you can't jump out of the car. And, it's like, when someone just repeat, like, we'll just say that. You can't jump out of the car right now. You know what I mean? It's like that's always the best thing rather than trying to fluff it up or find a different way to say it. And I love it when songs are conversational like that. And she just, she's very, she's so honest. Um, and and then, of course, her voice is just amazing. Yeah. I'm- when I look, because I know a lot of your massive 
hits. <laughs> massive hits. Oh, oh don't massive play hits. like you know massive hits. <laughs> you know, but when I started to look through, I started to go, oh, all my favorite people have all my favorite songs with Lori as well that just weren't like big radio songs. Yeah. You know, songs yeah. that I would listen That's to. That's so cool. Because for me, I hear things on the radio all the time. Mm-hmm. You hear think, mm-hmm. something 10,000 times, it just starts to be white noise at a point. You know a song that I love that I felt kind of got robbed was When Someone Stops Loving You. I don't know why that didn't work. I don't know either. It was Grammy nominated, it though, was. as you know. But, um, yeah, that um, and just being able to hear Jimmy. You know, Jimmy has one of the best voices, you know, in the in the whole world. And I, obviously, I love those people so much. And they are, like, real dear friends to all of us now. And and to, to just have, I wrote that song with Chase McGill and Hillary Lindsay, and that was like the second song of the day. I forget what the first one was, but that was the second song of the day. And again, it was like, I said the title and Chase was like, I hear, I hear what that song's supposed to sound like. And um, just to have them, you know, sing it and have someone that you love so much sing that song. And we were shocked, to be honest, that it was nominated for a Grammy, but we were just, we had a ball going out there and, and, um. And it was nice to be there, knowing that you wouldn't have to make a speech because we knew that, you know, that there. Who ended up winning? Casey, uh, Space Cowboy. You you didn't think you would win? You know what's so great? No, we knew we would. Like I also, I actually felt like it would be a little bit of a of of, um, a shock if if we did. But we were so thankful to be there and um, spend time with Little Big Town and um, and Chase was there for. um, Breakup in the end as well. But you know, so great about going to the Grammys with your Nashville community is the pre-telecast, you know, there's no seating. There's no assigned seating. And they all sit together. It's the best thing. Like the Americana and the country people like all sit together. And like, and Shane and Luke who won for Casey wasn't there. Cause I think she was in rehearsals, but that one for space cowboy were like right in front of us. And then, you know, they run up and Luke makes his speech and we all, cry, they, they both did a great speech and, and Hillary cried for like 10 minutes straight after. Like, we're genuinely so happy for, for them. And everybody was. It's just that there's something crazy special about this town. And I know I don't live here, so I can't, I can't be a true judge of it because I'm an outsider. But it's real. I don't see it happening anywhere else but here, the community here. When I go and work in Los Angeles, if I'm doing some television projects, mm-hmm. First of all, like, I think here, I'm normally nice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, everybody's everybody. Yeah. You know, I'm not Mr. Rogers. Yeah. But I'm a nice guy. I would say I should get a nice guy award. I'm just just a dude. I go to Los Angeles. I'm freaking Pope Bobby. They think I'm the nicest human ever. Oh, my God. So, first of all, there's a sensibility that we are taught and grow up with that is normal to us, but I don't know if we appreciate how like gracious and nice we really are until we mm-hmm. get around people that aren't right yeah. and so this is point one of this is when i would go out to los angeles i'd be like everybody from nashville is so nice everybody yeah. from that comes from and we had a country music night on the dance show that i did and lauren elena and cole and lanco and like all of us just hung out together the whole time yeah and they're like you guys all like know each other you're you all hang out and i'm like you guys don't understand like yeah we're like this group it's kind of like us against the world, we feel like, but in a, in a great way, mm-hmm. but we kind of feel like we're all in this thing together. Is that what the feeling, I don't know where, how it developed. I don't know how y'all got like this. I don't know about but... y'all. That's just, but, but, <laughs> but it's awesome. I've been part of that too, where you go out and it's just like, oh, well, 
we're a little different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we like that about us. Yeah. And, and here we are. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I, yeah when, when I go out, especially West, they're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so That's nice? So and I'm like, back funny. home, I'm just a normal dude. Yeah. Out here, I'm the nicest guy. You give me That's ribbons. That's good, though. That's good. I, you know, and. So is Blake like the second nicest guy out there? <laughs> probably the well the biggest the biggest and not you know what when i used to do pop and hip-hop because i did that before i came over to country oh you did oh that's right yeah that's how i started oh i built a syndication company inside of doing pop and hip-hop and what happened i knew you liked hip-hop but i didn't know okay All and right. i so and i you know found this technology that would allow me to work on multiple stations at one time and it's kind of a science experiment right that that went right and wow. i invested any money that i had at all into this and kept building it but what had happened was I would stick Dirks on the air. On a, mm-hmm. Imagine Dirks Bentley on like a pop and hip hop station, right? That's great. Everyone would be like, what's happening? Willie would come through. I would put Eli Young Band on. They would come. And oh people would God. go, what are you? Well, now I'm here doing country and Ed Sheeran comes by or mm-hmm. Pharrell comes by. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing. But people are like, well, what are you doing? That's so different. But it's always the same thing. Like I've never been someone who is so inclusive to just thinking of format exists for the sake of a format you know where you know with me it's been always about just let me just get on good music yeah and that's kind of how i ended here and you talk about you didn't come from country but you were doing the same thing Mm -hmm. you're you're making vulnerable authentic music well to you it's all about the song yeah to me it's all about yes which is what i mean that's the best thing you know i think um songs are just one of those things where you can you can be a person that loves this genre of music and hear a song from another genre and it just blows you away still i mean it's just a song is a song i don't even know what genres i don't know what that means anymore well nobody wants them yeah to, nobody wants to, to but you just know for, for classification purposes mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. i think that's the only reason now like, yeah. even the instrumentation like i look back because i i would consider myself a novice historian of even country music my mm-hmm. grandmother man raised me on like old andy griffith gospel records like the old, old school stuff. And yeah. for me, I'm from Arkansas, and Johnny Cash was big, not because he was Johnny Cash, but because he was an Arkansan. And there weren't a lot of people from Arkansas who launched on a national scene. So to her, he was everything. Yeah. And she would tell me stories about how he would play nearby, and people would like pick at the shows because that wasn't country music. Oh, wow. Because that was rock and roll. That's not country music. Yeah. And then you look, and I'd have a conversation with someone like um, a Garth. Mm-hmm. And he would go, people used to tell me all the time, I'm not country music. Like I came to town, he would say, they, they would tell me what I was doing wasn't country music because instrumentation, uh, vocal style, it wasn't the same as it was before. And it happens yeah. again now. It's mm-hmm. happening now. People are saying, you know, insert whomever, XYZ is not country music. Yeah. And as much as you want to feel that way, my thing is, okay, let's just in a small bubble, you may feel that way now, but look at every single bubble over the past six, seven decades, when it's all exactly the same and the same people have the same argument, here's the thing in common is that country music is always changing. Mm-hmm. And no yeah. one's ever, and if anyone ever becomes satisfied with it, then it's probably done. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, it, I mean, I guess that's what music does is, is it, I think there's less of, you know, an artist makes a different kind of sounding record and people freak out. I think there's less of that. People sort of expect it more. I feel like I think I so don't too know. because again we're not based regionally anymore. Mm-hmm. We know once Napster kind of hit, mm-hmm. the world changed. Yeah, for sure. Because we could just hit a button and have all the yeah. music we wanted. Yeah, and I mean not good for people like you who write songs and you mm-hmm. wouldn't get paid for those songs because Napster was amazing and free. But yeah. um, you know once Napster hit, we kind of had everything at our fingertips. Where if you grew up like me in Arkansas, 
all the music stores had 80% country and then just the biggest and the biggest of the other formats mm-hmm. where it limited your scope as to what you could actually consume. Yeah. Now there's no limit in scope. Yeah. Yeah. And country yeah. music now is, I think, I think you talk about the songs more about the message. Yeah. It's more about stories yeah. and language that, um, you know, so I love pop music too, but sometimes those, if you just read those words, it would be very different than reading, you know, most of the writers I know, like we just did this today, like you you read the lyric down and does it tell the story? You know what I mean? And when you get in the room with like Barry Dean or Tom Douglas or somebody that has one of those great voices and they read the lyric, like that's when you got to like, don't play or sing anything for a minute. Let's just read the lyric and see if it, what it says to us. And, and I, I think, think country music still has a lot of, I mean, it's almost all that way. I need to throw a commercial real quick. It's a situation no one wants to experience during tax season, right? But with the breaches in the last couple of years, your information may already be exposed. And that could lead to an unfortunate discovery, finding out that a cyber criminal stole your identity and filed for your tax return. The good thing is there's LifeLock with Norton to help you protect against things that could happen to your identity and your devices. If you become a victim of identity theft, well, tax-related or not, LifeLock will work to fix it with a dedicated identity restoration specialist who's assigned to your case from beginning to end. Plus, with the addition of Norton Security, you'll also have protection that blocks cyber criminals from stealing from your devices. Listen, of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or cybercrime or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But you can join right now and get 10% off your first year. I have it. I love it. It's helped me out before. Many times, actually. Just head to lifelock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Enter the promo code BONES. That's BONES for 10% off your first year. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or you like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. 
Sue Brewer, and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Okay, so uh, all of that, when we're talking about format and, and music and not really having a a home does it, music doesn't have to have a home right mm-hmm. I, I say all that because your song right now is at like number two from the stars born soundtrack that's crazy right yeah what? no it's not crazy <laughs> it's not crazy at all oh my god this is such a crazy week <laughs> if you saw the way we wrote if you would know it was crazy it was it was crazy that i actually ended up on anything on that to be honest it was so hard it was so hard and so different and not what i do that um I, it was such a blessing. So what happened? I don't. I don't understand what what was so different about it. Well, I've never. So what happened was um, Dave Cobb was working on that rec, on that movie mm-hmm. with uh, I think Bradley Cooper had reached out to him, and uh, I remember I was we were making the tree, uh, and which Dave Cobb produced my last two records, and I, he was out in his truck in like the in the parking lot at RCA, like talking to Bradley Cooper on the in his car, you know. No big deal. And uh, and I remember like teasing him about something being late or something, kidding around. And he's like, "Well, I had to talk to Bradley Cooper about this thing." <laughs> and then a couple months go by, and he calls, and he's like, "I'm gonna go out and do this, this film, and um, you know, you should come and help write the songs," which I had never done before. I've like I've read scripts before, but I've and I I think I've always sort of been rejected when I try to write something for something. I'm not that good at it. But um, but this was a writing camp in a studio with Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, and a full band. You know what I mean? And it's like, write the song, oh, I didn't know this is how this happened. So and you knew with the movie in mind what you were writing for. Well, they were changing the script. Like, the, the script changed so many times. Just even from when I left that writing camp, the ending, I mean, it's pretty much the same. But it, it, it's very different than where it was going when we were in the room, but but what happened was Dave called me and Hillary Lindsay, Natalie Hemby, and Aaron Raytier, and we went out there um, to write, you know, for to, the movie, for the movie with with Bradley and with, I didn't write with Bradley, but I think Aaron did, and um, and Lady Gaga and Hillary had had worked with Lady Gaga on her on the Joanne record and um, you know sang with her a bunch, and so Hillary was was familiar with the way she works, but to us, the rest of us, it was like this, you know, we had never met her and. And um, and it was just for me. It's hard to once you start a song. It's hard for me not to stop it until it's almost complete. Or I feel like, oh, I've done everything I know how to do with this. And this was more like write an idea, and then somebody, you know, because she's going from room to room, and the band's there, and 
it was just kind of wild. It, it, it's a different way to be creative, but I hadn't had much experience doing that before. So I didn't know when I left, I didn't know that I had, you know, anything that would that actually make the, the you know the film at that point because there was so much still more to do the script had changed so many times the band had changed the they the, the they, everyone I left before everybody else um but it was just such a blessing and the song came out so good and it's funny because I remember writing that song and um we're in this famous studio and the Foo Fighters were there we were totally friends with the Foo Fighters for like a whole week Oh, they were there, like, They were in, like, the lounge beside us, and they would, like, come over and see if we had better cookies than they did. (laughs) Like, literally. Like, I don't think, like, they knew any of our names, but we totally were friends for, like, a week. Were they nice? So nice. Like, Like, the nicest people. Because I'm a massive fan. Like, Pat Smear, Taylor, Hawkins, Dave Grohl, they were... The nicest people you ever... The only problem I have with Dave Grohl is he... Because I say my name is Laurie, because I'm from Boston, and... (laughs) He was like, what is your name? So he thinks my name's Larry. But um, but literally, we were like best friends with the Foo Fighters for a little while. And, and we would just write and write all day long. And then they would bring in food. And, um, and when we wrote the, you know, always rem- remember us this way, there was like crying involved. There was like, you know, she got, Lady Gaga got so emotional with the lyrics of that song. And she was so in it. That it was one of those moments where I left. I didn't know if it was going to make it, but I like just prayed to God that they would let something that vulnerable in because she had been, she sort of just laid it all out. You know what I mean? Like she had put herself into that character so much and it was clear even then and they hadn't even started filming yet. So it was kind of amazing. You sing background vocals in this song? No. no. You're not on this song at all? I don't know who does. Yeah, no. Let me hear this. When you hear the song the first time, is it during the movie, or do you get a, a track first? It's the, during the movie when she performs by herself the first time on stage. Um, but there isn't anything, I don't think there's any hints of it before that in the film. What'd you think about it? I thought it was amazing. Yeah? I mean, I, it was like one of those things where I brought like my kids and my husband you know, to the movie when it came out. Because I didn't miss the premiere. Um, I was out in L.A. when the premiere here happened, so I missed it. But um, So I made the kids um, all, all come, and, and we all sat there and, uh, and watched it together. It was, it was great. You know what I mean? It, I thought the film was amazing. I thought, like, I just loved everything about it. Do, do your kids think you're cool? Hell no. They don't? No. Even you're writing songs <laughs> with Lady Gaga, you're... It, they still don't... I, I cannot impress these children. Like, I literally... The... the you know, when, when Tim McGraw sings something that I've, you know, been part of, that's the only way they'll <laughs> listen to it more than once. They, they don't want to hear you sing it. They just want to hear Tim they McGraw just, sing it. Yeah, they just all grew up with me, like, somewhere in the background. Like, you know, you know how it is writing a song. You have to sing the same part over and over and over again. And they're just, like, over it. They're like, when is she going to cook us dinner? <laughs> Do you get to take them cool places? And they're like, okay, mom. Sometimes they'll be like, this is cool, yeah. mom. Yeah, they definitely, you know, um, they've definitely benefited from the, you know, the blessings of, of the music industry. And, um, and, and two of my kids are songwriters, you know. Really? Now, so. How old two are they? Two of the older ones. Uh, my oldest is 29, and um, he's a songwriter. And my third, Christopher, is um, 25. He just moved to town, like, days ago. Is there yeah. pressure that they put on themselves? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. What they do is very different. It's not really, you know, it's more pop. And 
um, and they're in a band together. And um, and what they do is very. I think that they've um, they've. I think what they learn from watching my husband, whose name's Gene, you know Gene, and me, is that because my husband was always like, "Look at what you've done. You've ruined these kids. They're <laughs> just gonna. They're never gonna make any money. They're just gonna, you know, chase their dreams." But when you see someone come home every day and have a hard day, you know, my husband has a, you know, he's a plumber, he works for the gas company, and like, you know, like anything else, some of those days are going to be really hard. And and when you see someone else just over there rhyming and playing, like answering the door with the guitar, like, you know, it's like, they're like, it's not really me chasing my dreams that made them follow me. It's more watching him and being like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I think... Um, you know, we'll see what the young the young ones end up doing. But um, but I think, you know, they've all grown up so much with music. Like, sometimes there's, there'll be a writer in the basement, and I'll be like, dude, you know what that is? <laughs> and they don't, not that they don't care, but it's like, just normal. Luke Laird's down there. He's had 23 number one songs, you know what I mean? And they're like, yeah, what? They can't be impressed. They can't. I've never, ever introduced... I don't think my kids to, you know, one, one year we were at the ACMs and we brought them to like the Luke Bryan party. You know what I mean? Nothing. Nothing. They get nothing. <laughs> what do they like? What, what, what are your kids like? They like country music. They really yeah. do. But they, I just think they keep it all in, in check. And plus they are a little sick of listening to me. So it all goes <laughs> together. You know what song you have that I really like that you guys, uh, maybe you just didn't write it, but you just put it out. Speaking of Luke was uh, God and Country Music. Oh. You and Luke Laird, you wrote that together, right? And Barry, and Barry Dean. Yeah. Yeah. And that was... Oh, that this is emotional. This one. So this this is a George Strait song. Now, how does it get to George? Do you know you're writing it for George? I have so many questions about a George Strait song. How does this start? Are you just in a room and you just come up with the concept first? So, or do you know George is looking? um, I think that for the most part, the publishers all in town know all that stuff. Okay. And um, so I write for Creative Nation. Luke Laird's wife, Beth Laird, runs Creative Nation. So I, I get, and, and Luke and Barry and I are dear friends. And so I have a day with Barry and Luke, and, and we're sitting up in Luke's office. And I know that probably Luke, you know, I, they send the list, you know, like these are the people that are looking, these are the, these are the producers, this is when they'll cut. But George Strait, you get it's a hard. List of songs. Just so my listeners I, know this, because I've seen, I've seen it. Yeah. But there's a. You're telling me there's a list of people who are currently looking for songs, mm-hmm. and you can go, okay, well, we can write something maybe sensibly. This person would like a song like this, so why don't we aim it this direction? Well, it doesn't tell you what the song is like. It just tells you, but you know what the artist likes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, this is the artist. This is a producer. This is when they should be cutting. Right. Um, and they've, those have always been around since um, since I came to town. I, um, and sometimes they'll have more information. But for the most part, I don't even open those emails because I'm not really good at trying to go for an artist, especially if it's someone like George Street that I've never met. Like, I don't really know how to do I have to kind of write um, from like a very self-centered, I guess, part. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't say self-centered. I would say knowledge of self. No, thank you. <laughs> That's a way better way to say that. Yeah, so we, the, but the three of us had a date, and um, and again, everybody, all songwriters have a list of titles in their phone, and and I'm sitting there with Barry and Luke, and um, and I said I have this title, but I have no, I know I said I don't know how to do it or what it means, and I said you know God and country music, and 
and Barry was sitting with his computer on his lap and Luke was at his little rig with his guitar in his hand and um and Barry does this thing sometimes where he'll just start typing away and he disappears for a moment not a long time and you just sort of when Barry does that we all sort of know to wait a minute and um and he said well you it could be because I'm like I don't know I don't like I don't even know why I wrote it down I don't know where like what it means or what to do with it and he's like well it could be you know like you know God and country music you know like whiskey and a prayer (laughs) again I swear to God these crazy things happen to me and uh like Johnny Cash's arm around Billy Graham so in Barry's office at his house he has that famous picture of of Johnny Cash standing with Billy Graham and it's one of you know it's a it's a very special photograph for him um and as soon as he said that Luke just swung around his chair and started playing chords and and he said just do it again but sing it and he sang sang the verse at one point during during the day, I'm pretty sure Luke said, God, you know, it would be crazy. You know, it would be amazing if we could get this to George Strait. And so I don't know how they all did it. But um, that song, getting that cut and knowing how much everybody loves George Strait, but especially my friend Barry Dean and my friend Luke Laird and how important that that cut is to them and 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 because we love the song and and we love each other it's like when we heard that voice sing those words it was like you know you can't you can't you just gotta like thank your lucky stars for something like that to happen you know that's so, that's so cool especially because it, it, you appreciate it god you know i mean i it, like i have to watch myself or i'll just start bawling all the time i mean i just can't walk around bawling all the time i would watch luke laird's <laughs> Insta story, and you know, they'd be play, playing this when they came out, mm-hmm. and we were playing it on my show too. And I knew it was special to him because he had posted like three times, yeah. three different. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, Luke, yeah, loves that that, that George Strait. Who who wouldn't love that George Strait singing your song? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, who wouldn't? Absolutely. And but but for for that for the two of them and their besties, you know, they're best friends. And for the two of them, um, to have that moment to get, you know together, me sort of be able to watch them. You know, be so thankful for that song and 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 where it landed is it's gonna. I can tell it's just gonna be a fun ride. <laughs> That's so cool. You know, when I, I like your music, you know, I just listen to listen to your stuff. I, um, if I had to pick a song, because I was thinking about this. Yeah, because I pick a song. Well, because I'll post your songs <laughs> on my Insta story too, and be like, Did, everybody <laughs> should, should listen to this song, and I'll play on my show. I like well, people when people get get old came out. Mm-hmm. I thought it was such a... I don't think it, it matters what age you are. Like, you mm-hmm. feel this song. You could be 16 and feel this song because there's a part of you that goes, oh, I'm watching all this stuff. Like, I'm 38 right now. Uh-huh. And I'm going, oh, she's talking about me at my age. Mm-hmm. People get old. And it's just yeah. about how your life's all growing and changing and everything around you. Yeah. I, I love this song. I love Wreck You. Oh, cool. Yeah. I wrote that with Felix McTeague. Like... And that song was cut a couple of times by other before by, me, yeah. Um, H- Heidi Newfield cut that song, and David Nail cut that song. And David didn't put it out because Heidi did. Uh, she put it on a record, so David didn't put it out. But God, I love his voice, and I love both of them. But um, that song, I ended up cutting it. It was like eight years old by the time I put it on the Bird and the Rifle. But because it just, it was just one of those songs that just always came up as. Um, like people would ask me to sing it or something. It like just kind of wouldn't go away. It just wanted its own time and 
was happy to have it part of that record. The uh, Humble and Kind, you wrote by yourself, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. you're sitting... I think that it that's like one of the only songs in a long... Maybe Taylor Swift hours by herself. Mm-hmm. Like there's only a couple of songs in like the past 10 or 15 years that have went number one that were written by a single person. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. That's pretty freaking cool. Well, that that is cool. And, and it's funny because you would think it does happen more often, but I think... Um, I think that the part of the reason I love this town and I've, I don't explain this very well, but you know, I was, I had maybe three, three or four, maybe more records out before I started coming, I guess three records out before I started coming to Nashville to write songs. So I had never co-written a song. Like I just came up writing songs by myself. And at that time in the Boston community, there wasn't a ton of people that co-wrote. So I didn't know how to do it, and I didn't know, like, it just seemed so weird to me. Like, you, how do you pour your heart out and, like... <laughs> with someone else. With someone else yeah. sitting on the other, you know, side of the room just staring at you. Like, how does that work? That seems crazy. And, um, but I will say that this, that's how where I found my community. Like, that's where I found, like, so I always explain it as some people are really great musicians, really great singers that can, like, play anything, sing anything, they know everybody's songs, and... And, and they can like jump on stage and help you sing your song, help you like, you know, you know, tons of people like this. You're probably like this, like you can harmonize, you can, you know, just start playing along and, you know, Jake Owen is the best at that. Yeah. Right. Craig Campbell guys, it can, it doesn't matter what you're doing anytime. They They can can do do it. it, Right. And that, that's a big part of the Boston acoustic live scene. Uh, there's a venue there called Passim where we've all come up. It's like my home venue, and you see a ton of that. You just see like friends walking into the show, and then the next thing they're on stage and they're all playing together. And it's a it's this really nurturing part of music. It's really like where people, you know, uh, the people that make the music really can connect that way. I've never been able to do that. I still don't know how to harmonize unless Hillary Lindsay teaches me how to do it. And um, and and so I'm really bad like that. So I I was missing. I knew I was wrong. I knew I like wasn't 100 percent. You know, like at all these things that everybody else was. Um, and then when I found co-writing, I was like, oh, okay. So I can't harmonize to your song unless you teach me. But I can help you. Right. Like I can sit here with you and tr- and try to help you write th- the best song that you can today or the best or the song that needs to come out of you. You know what I mean? Or the song that no one's going to hear. But you and I are are like better for the experience of writing it just because we got something off our heart or whatever. Because, as you know, like we all write a zillion songs nobody hears, but you have to be thankful for them because they get you to the the one, you know, the one in a hundred that somebody will hear. And that's where I really found my community. I think that's partly why I love this town so much because I, I really, that's where I connect is with, with my co-writers. So as much as I do write, I do like writing alone still. Um, and sometimes I will have a title that I feel like, oh, I just, nobody, nobody's going to like this title. I'll just do it by myself. But sometimes I just really can't do it alone. I mean, by myself anymore. And I enjoy, you know, I enjoy that the the pulling it apart with with a group, you know, within it with two or three people. It's great. I was sent a list just now of other number ones in country music that have been written by one person. Okay. There are only a few: uh, Taylor, mm-hmm. ours, Patsy Cline, crazy. Do you know who wrote that? A little trivia. Do you know who wrote Patsy Cline? Crazy. Klein, crazy. Was it Willie Nelson? It was. Yeah. 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 Uh, Johnny Cash, a boy named Sue. 
written by that Shel. Shel so, Silverstein, yeah. right? And Dolly Parton, nine to five. Dolly wrote by herself. Wow. Mm, those are that's those are the only other country songs. That's written. not true. Is that true? Mike just sent are me this list. Is Mike, is that true? <laughs> I think that's all the big ones. There may be a couple more. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is about this town. I mean, you can't really. You can't really blame them because at any, you know, any given moment, you know, like we could go down the street to a Starbucks, we'll probably bump into a great songwriter. So why not try to write a song together? <laughs> when you write, this is kind of a nerdy songwriting question for you, because I'll get in a room sometimes with people and there are a couple kind of writers. There are writers that will go, that are very uh, lyric based and very melody based. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and so for example, I have one friend who writes on melody first. So uh, somebody will either play or a track will be built to write right. and, and she'll go, then you insert the words to the melody yeah. that's just been or someone comes down with a bunch of lyrics and it's like this is my idea these are some of the couplets I have this is where I want to go mm-hmm. and then you build the the melody around that how, how do you walk and approach a right when it's just you are you lyric or melody I think I like to have a title I love to have a title I love titles and I know some people don't like that but I do love titles and I think that's why um, you know, a lot of us have just a list in our phone, but I've, I think honestly, the best thing in the world is if you can find them both at the same time, if you can find the melody in the lyric at the same time and they just pop out of your face, you know what I mean? Then it does sound easy. If I can just have them both and they pop out, Lord, if, like, this must be so easy for you. She's like, you know, no, if you not. just have a number one fall out of your mouth, that's, that's, that's what, what I would recommend. <laughs> that's the, I think that's the way first. Yes. Uh, no, but I, but I do, I, I guess I have to start if I'm by myself, I have to start with words. But what I will do at home is I... Maybe that's not true. Because what I do at home is I just play chords and I blah, blah, like your your friend. And, and and then you'll usually find the words that, you know... And if I can't... There's days that I just, you know... I'll try, like... I'll try for an hour and I can't, right? I just end up hating myself, so I'll just put it away. I, I'm not an everyday writer. I couldn't write every day. Like, oh, you don't write every day? Oh, God. I'm I'm not that smart. <laughs> Man, I have, I have friends that grind, and they'll I write mean, two, yeah. songs, two songs a day. You're talking about, you know, four hours minimally, yeah. twice a day. At least. Phil Barton, hero. Hero. That guy... You know, and, and he's been to my house many times. And the thing about Phil is he, I don't, I, every time I picture him, he has a guitar in his hand <laughs> and he's just playing another thing. And so, I mean, I think, you know, for the most part, I, I, I need to have a, a starting point lyrically in my head. I do love writing with track people where they'll play you something and be, but what I'm, what I always ask myself is, what does that feel like? What does it feel like it wants? It sounds weird, but what does that feel like it wants to say? Like, is it like nostalgic? Is it, does it sound sad? Does it, you know, um, but God, that's why we love it. It's like, you never know what you're going to get into. It's funny. You bring up Phil Barton, a couple spins off of Phil. One, Phil and I wrote, I have a, I did a kid's record. I had a, yeah. I have a number one kid song. And yeah. Phil and I wrote it together with Eric Paslake called When I Grow when Up. I grow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And he plays it and he'll go and do song, ride around. And he yeah. plays it and people always send me. And I love Phil. He has so much energy. He's so great. But did, did you guys write the Eli Young band song together? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. um, with Mike. The, yeah. Skin and Bones. Skin and Bones. Yeah. 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 And that started, I think I, th- there was like a little bit of lyrics, you know what I mean? And, and that did start lyrically, but, um, yeah, those the Phil's always, you know, when you just the thing about co-writing is and I always say this is like say there's three of us in the in the room, you know, some days you have an artist, so you know, you're you're hoping the artist is the artist and you'll be the therapist or the best friend or the cheerleader or the 
editor. You know what I mean? Like the thing that I love most about co-writing is you just never know in the room that day what, which hat you're going to have to wear. Like I write a lot with Hillary Lindsay and, and Liz Rose. And even if we write, we write several songs a day sometimes because we we just camp out and spend like three days together. And sometimes even the song, like one song, Hillary will be the artist and I'll be the, you know mm. what I mean? And, yeah. and we'll all take You'll it. And roles. Then we'll, the next song, like we have something to eat and a, a glass of wine and all of a sudden next song is like, it's totally different. And and Liz is the artist and you know what I mean? And we're trying to serve Liz and what she needs to have come out of her. And um, that's what I love about it. That's my favorite part. Let me run through some of these songs real quick. I thought like we could talk all day, but I want to make sure some of these are highlighted. Uh, let's see. I want crazy Hunter Hayes. Look at this. Wrote this one. A cool one. Right now, uh, let's see. I have so many. I mean, literally, I'm looking at like 50 songs here. No, I don't think I even have 50. I have. Songs. Look at all. The, this is all a list of your songs <laughs> I have right here. All on my little sheet. It's whatever I want to go to. Uh, you did Cry Pretty. Oh, that was a joy. Yeah, that was a joy. She is one hell of a songwriter. Carrie. Carrie Underwood. Oh, my God. And, of course, that was Love Junkies. That was me and Liz and Hillary. And Carrie came in, and she was just a love junkie for a couple of days. And we wrote uh, a few songs. And um, and when you see somebody, especially, like, you know, somebody that, uh, an artist that big, when you, when you, and I've met her a couple of times before, and she had cut another Love Junkie song, and she's been so good to us. But when she, come, when someone like that comes in, that talented and that, um, you know, sort of exposed to the public and is that honest. It's, you, it's just like, man, thank God, you know, like she, and she's a, she's a, just listening to her in the room, especially with Hillary, because their voices, you know, are so beautiful. Because they can both but, sing the God. crap out of words. Oh both of God. them. They sing the crap out of words. It's just like crazy. Uh, my favorite Jillian Jacqueline song, God Bless This Mess. My fa- it's my favorite song from one of my favorite artists. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. How about... I, I love happy people. Felt like got the shaft. I don't know what. And I tell I would, I don't know the video, every part of this song was fantastic. I, I, I tell you, like, I don't know what what radio people do. I don't know. And I literally have the biggest radio show so in the history weird. of the format of country music, and I have no idea how it works. Like the radio part of it, like the how the. Honestly, I don't like. I know. I'd so see. So you just do your thing. You just do your. I kind of love that that you because I don't really know how the music business works. I, our brain might get messed up if we learn too much about it. I feel like if I learn the rules, then I play by them. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. so there are some that I kind of have to pick up along the way. Sure. But I, like that, the, how that song didn't work. Happy people, whatever makes you happy, people. Uh, and all the kids and all everybody's dancing. The, every part of that was wonderful. The video is great. I wrote that with Haley Witters, who's amazing, and she's an artist. And just check her out because she is amazing. And that was her idea. She showed up at my house, never met her. Well, maybe I had met her like for a second, you know. So I, you know, like you said, knock on the door and I open the door, and she said, "I want to write a song called Happy People," and I was like. Let's do it. You know, that was her vision. And um, and it was a wonderful song, let me say. Yeah. You got number one in my heart. Thank you. You met thank Oprah? You. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How, tell me about that real quick. That was amazing. I, I, I went to be on the Oprah show because Faith pulled me in. And um, she was going to be on the show anyway. And the record was coming out, Fireflies. And she said, why don't I have my friend Laurie come up and we'll tell the story about, you know, sort of this, those being, you know, those songs coming from, you know, this housewife in Massachusetts and... Um, and sort of got to, um, what happened was, um, 
I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> I was getting used to faith that, you know, I'd only been around faith a, a handful of times at that point. Um, and it, but it was really, um, it was right after Katrina that, that, um, they, they taped that show. It, so there was a lot of things happening in the background because Oprah was, was going to do a show down there and she was doing all this fundraising and all this stuff. So there was a ton of watching, um, sort of these people pull together and, and help, you know, people in need. And, um, and it was just, it was, you know, we went to rehearsal the night before Faith sang this, um, this gospel song called I Surrender All, I believe it's called. And we all just cried like babies, like cried like babies. Like Faith Hill is one of the most soulful people I've ever had the experience to know. And I've seen her, I've seen her in Monroe, Louisiana, sing a gospel song for a group of, you know, thousands of people that have been standing in a field for, you know, all day. It's a dry county. You know what I mean? They're just standing there. And she just shuts down the band for a second and starts singing. And everybody goes to church. Like, she is remarkable like that. So the, that's that was my takeaway. I had a couple of moments with Oprah just being so spiritual and and so, like, sort of just big-hearted in, in watching them both communicate and how they were going to help people in, in um, New Orleans. And it was great. It was great. Well, I, I you'll you know deflect but you you are so beloved in this town it's because i don't live here that's i just don't <laughs> think that's true i don't think that's true listen i'm gonna say i'm so happy that you came thanks and, for having and we me. got we've done we've done an hour and uh you know you're one of my favorites thank you I so much i tell you that you know that's true and tell your husband i said hello i went well he he had a couple of things he wanted me to talk to you about my mother-in-law says hello this well, is a big deal for the mckenna family what what did he want you to talk to me about no, something on mic or off well no, no it was just like i was telling i left my ride and i was like i'm heading over to bobby's he's like well he's in a new house now <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And I'm like, well, do you know the address? (laughs) And it was just so funny. He's like, well, I hope he's comfortable there. I'm I'm very comfortable. You should be. I'm very comfortable. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm so happy. Listen, um, I could have a a lot of other, we could do eight hours of this, but how about in 2020, you Mm -hmm. come back. And we'll do it again. Okay, that'd and go be over great. all your next set of number ones. Okay, and all the songs you've written, my favorite artists. And I'm like, I can't believe this wasn't number one because it was so good. I know. And then you can, we can still not know anything about how it really and then we'll works. Be like, <laughs> but do you know? No, I don't know yet. I don't know. All right, this is episode Thanks, 162, Lori McKenna, and you can follow Lori on Instagram like I do. Um, what is it? Just your name? It's it's Laurie McKenna Ma M A from, from Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah, That's what it is. and my kids call me Ma. But, but it, by the way, not <laughs> I know I say it wrong. I say L O R I. Lori is how I'm. I'm from the south. I would That's say Lori. Spelt. I'd say it wrong. Do you love Aerosmith? Yeah. Being from Boston, just, yeah, I mean, are sure. they like a local, a local feel to you? Yeah, pretty much. I think they're like really nice guys. Like Stephen Tyler's super nice. I told you, my husband works for the gas company, and he's like, every now and then, it'd be like he'll have to change a meter, and he's like, I, I'm changing the meter at Stephen <laughs> Tyler's house. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that they're very um, sort of regular, you know, part of the community people. I've never met any of them, but everyone loves them. New kids on the block. I don't know them either, but I, I bet they're super nice. Hmm. I just wonder who, who's who's like the big Boston group that you grew up listening to that was like the home team that made it. Oh, geez. Like the home that like they they like my grandmother was Johnny Cash in Arkansas uh, when Bill Clinton made it. It was a big deal to us because it was somebody from like small town Arkansas that yeah, was president. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who from around your 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 hood? I cannot think. I cannot. Maybe think. Maybe it's you. 
Maybe everyone waited for Larry no. McKenna to, <laughs> to make it out. I mean, it's gotta be new kids on the block, right? I mean, it's gotta be that. I mean, they're coming. I mean, they're all over the place right well, now. Well, again, yeah. Now they're like it's old the men Wahlbergs. On the block. It's the Wahlbergs. That's true. The yeah. Wahlbergs are super nice, I think, too. You ever met them? Okay, no, but I was in the TSA line with the brother that owns a restaurant once, and I was watching him with his kids, and he seemed like a super nice yeah. guy. <laughs> That's how I judge people. But Kay Hanley, do you know Kay Hanley is Letters Cleo? Mm. Kay Hanley, she's out in L.A. now, and she does a bunch of stuff. But um, What's Letters of Cleo? It's a rock band. Check it out. They're they're really they're 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 it's probably nineties, like late nineties. Not 90s. like Miss Cleo, the psychic. No, <laughs> oh, that's what, no. she's not from your hood. But those Wahlbergs are hard to beat. You know, I, I would we'll, we'll settle on that. The Wahlbergs yeah. are the, the most famous people to come from your I hood. Think that you like. right. I think they are. The Kennedys and the Wahlbergs. Oh, the Kennedys, of course, of course. <laughs> All right, episode one sixty two with Lori McKenna. Lori, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacova's.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.